On this episode of Lights, Camera, Transaction, Paul speaks with successful restaurateur Mike Leorakos, his organization Waste Not OC, and their goal of eliminating kitchen waste, as well as eliminating hunger. All right, hello and welcome to Lights, Camera, Transaction. I'm thrilled to have my guest here today, Mike Liarakos. Very good. Had to practice that one. Um, Mike and I got connected, I think, on LinkedIn. On yeah, it was media. on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Um, we're both here in Orange County, and uh, we obviously work with a lot of restaurants. And um, I saw Mike's organization showing up online and was just blown away by how you guys are helping. Uh, it's called Waste Not OC. And it's, their mission is just fantastic. And we met up for coffee and um, I think I even skipped my next meeting because we, I was just lost in your story. So um, I wanted to have you on so that you could share a little bit about yourself and what Waste Not OC does so that we can get the word out. So uh, with that, I'll well, let you kind of take it away and provide info about who you are, how you got started in this. Perfect. More accurately, you missed your next meeting because I can't stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that vividly. (laughs) And that's why we met for coffee, so you could stay awake. (laughs) Well, I stayed awake. I don't know if it was the coffee, but um, anyway, I digress. That's great. So this is how we started it. In uh, 2012, there was an effort that the public health officer for Orange County, Dr. Eric Handler, started to try to end food insecurity through the recovery of excess edible food. I got started in it because as a restaurant guy uh, in my neighborhood, you know, the city of Orange, the local senior center had their uh, funding cut through government sequestration cuts, and they lost their Meals on Wheels service for national holidays, and they lost one day a month for uh, aggregate meals or congregate meals, which is the daily lunch that they would serve seniors. So myself and another operator, Citrus City Grill, we took turns uh, feeding the seniors every other Wednesday, and, um, <clears throat> and we found that the seniors loved the food. Uh, what we were providing was outstanding. So the guest counts went up from 80 seniors to an average of 120, and uh, we really got kind of into it. Uh, Steve from Citrus City Grill wanted to do a wine pairing, and we went, I don't think these seniors are supposed to have wine. <laughs> Most of them are on medication. <laughs> Probably should hold off on the wine pairing. But what we found is that as the guest counts went up, our costs went up. It's one thing. We love guest count increases when we're, you know, for profit. But when we're donating our time and our food, uh, it was starting to become a little bit of a drain. So we reached out to the health department about how do we get recovered food or excess edible food donated. Yeah. And um, they said, there's something starting you need to be involved with. And that's how I got involved with this beginning effort. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and that was in 2012. We spent the first couple of years just trying to bring stakeholders together, yep. both inside the food industry and outside. Yep. Healthcare was a big part of it. Uh, we brought in Kaiser Permanente early on. They saw the benefit, the healthcare advantage of feeding hungry people. Yep. And it snowballed from that point on. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when you started in 2012, and by the way, I think you told me, uh, how, many, how many restaurants do you work with today? Right now, there's over 700 in Orange County. In Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first started in 2012, what what were some of the hurdles, the stumbling blocks? What type of pushback did you get? Oh, there was a lot. Uh, first of all, it was perception. 
operators had the perception that the health department didn't allow donation of food, first of all. Second perception was that there were liability concerns, that they would get sued if they donated food. But then even with nonprofits and municipalities, the cities, there were all these preconceived notions that were no longer accurate, but they were stumbling blocks. And what we did was just charge through them. Uh, it was really helpful to have the public health officer and the healthcare agency support what we were doing. It lent validity to, to the uh, campaign, to the effort. And then the food industry just took over from there. So we always maintain this is a public, private, nonprofit effort. And in order for it to work well, you have to have a certain balance to it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, we were able to maintain that balance where the public sector had a role, the private sector is really the engine, kind of drives it. And then the nonprofits are the boots on the ground. They're the yeah. foot soldiers feeding people and doing the heavy lifting. Awesome. So cool. Um, what? So you've, you've obviously grown pretty substantially since 2012. We're talking a little shy of eight years, mm -hmm. 700 restaurants that are clients. What has been the most successful way that you have gotten the word out? Because I know that since we've met, we talked to our clients and when we bring up your name and what you guys are doing and some are, are familiar with you which is awesome but the ones that aren't the reaction is incredible right because who doesn't want to participate so what what is the best way that you've gotten the word out thus far you know what we do is kind of take this uh, entire approach to it that we look at any opportunity both when it comes to outreach and then also logistics it's just what are the assets that are available? Yeah. Nothing's off limits unless yeah. it compromises food safety. Yeah. So, for example, we'll use uh, food service sales reps to help us get the word out. Uh, we'll use health, uh, health department inspectors mm -hmm. to help get the word out. We even have a component of food recovery and excess edible food donation now on the actual inspection sheet. So any inspector that super or inspects a restaurant or a grocery store or food establishment on that inspection form, there's information about donating food. So we use any approach possible to get the word out, uh, whether it's ancillary industry partners like yourself, like uh, tech companies, um, logistics operators, um, CPAs, because there's a tax deduction that goes with donating excess edible food. So a lot of times CPAs are the ones that are advising their, um, their clients that yeah. hey, there's, there's something available here that might help your business. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about that because the, the tax deduction is fanta a fantastic part of this, right? Of course, you're, nobody wants to throw away food. Restaurants mm -hmm. don't want to throw away food. It's part of the business. So helping solve that issue is big. But then the tax benefits yeah. are awesome. So we always say we, we don't really care why operators participate as long as they participate. Right. And on the larger scale, whether it's municipalities, whether it's waste haulers, et cetera, um, there's something for everybody. Mm -hmm. Even, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at elected officials, yep. we have had 16 governing board votes. Yep. All of them have been unanimous. Mm -hmm. Not one dissenting vote, not one abstention, because there is something for everyone. It's yep. a common sense approach. Yep. For an operator... It's, it's what we do. We work with food and we buy food. So food is money to us. Mm -hmm. So whenever we threw food away, we were throwing money in the trash. And I always found it ironic that, uh, you know, if you watch Hell's Kitchen or you watch some of these Food Network shows, or if you just worked in a, in a, ki a commercial kitchen in the last 30 years, you've seen the executive chef or food and beverage director or manager or owner go off on somebody for making a mistake. And for effect, it's usually just, just throw it in the trash. 
And ironically, what we're really telling them is throw money away. Yes. So we always equate this. If we were if we were a bank, we would be telling the tellers to throw away the dirty 20s. Right. And right. we send a conflicting message to our staff when we tell them mm-hmm. to throw food away when it's not right. So, true. so it may not be something, the flavor profile may not be right for our customers for sale, mm-hmm. but the food is still wholesome, it's still edible, and somebody can still eat it. Yeah. So that's kind of where, uh, you know, why operators are interested in participating. But... The other component of it, as you mentioned, is the tax deduction. Uh, when you donate excess edible food, you're allowed to write off up to 66% of the value of the food. So in some cases, for example, with supermarkets, it's really easy because it's a case. It's a raw item. Yep. There's a cost attached to it. Yes. With the restaurants or with prepared foods, that that's harder to define. And what I always tell operators is, you know, how you value it is between you, God, and the IRS, it, it's not, you know, we're not here to give tax advice, but you are allowed to write that food off and deduct that. For some, it's a valuable tool. Yep. We've had national restaurant chains call us and say, how do we get that waste not OC window decal in our window so we can write that off? And we explain to them, start donating food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, we can't just buy it? No, no, no. <laughs> you have to actually donate food. Smart. And then once they jump on board, they find there's a total cost savings in participating. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, what are some ways, um, because I know that one of the first things that I thought about, you know, us being in the, the payments and point of sale technology world, the first thing that I thought about was putting myself in our client's shoes is how to track this. So one of the first things that we did is we came back and we dove into our inventory platform and figured out, okay, if, if we want to help our restaurateurs, um, get involved with Waste Not OC because we believe in it. We're, we want to make it as easy as possible. So we actually went in and figured out, okay, if they do it this way and this way and this way, they could actually track it using our systems. I would imagine that most restaurateurs aren't going to necessarily go the extra mile to figure out how to track all of this themselves. So what assistance do you provide in, in helping them organize all of this or what do you recommend to them? Yeah. Early on, we saw that one concern that was looming was the cost of food waste reduction. Mm-hmm. So inedible food uh, was was coming. And at the time, the prevailing logic, especially with electeds, was just have the food industry pay for it. Yeah. And we had to explain to them, when was the last time you went a week without buying food at a grocery store or restaurant? Maybe what we do for a living, but we're providing a public good. So when we look at this cost of food waste uh, diversion away from landfills, which is now a state law uh, in California, SB 1383, we wanted to look at all the cost models. So one of them was to divert that cost, uh, not just to food waste generators, but also to the broader commercial sector. So in other words, anybody that had a dumpster would pay an average of $5 more a month. Mm -hmm. That's manageable. But raising waste hauling rates for an operator, $150, $300 a month is pretty substantial on top of additional minimum wage uh, increases, other cost increases. It's piling on. It's making it really difficult for the restaurant industry, especially independent operators, uh, to be profitable. So that's why we saw that if there's going to be a funding stream somewhere for this, there's going to have to be data. Mm-hmm. And prior to us, the, you know, the, the normal operating way of doing things was to uh, get basically like your sofa that goes to Goodwill. Right. You know, it would be a, a nonprofit that would provide me with a blank receipt or it would just two pans of meatloaf, whatever it might be. But there was really no data to that. 
So we saw technology as a way of tracking pounds. Pounds was critical. We don't really look at pounds in the food industry, but when it comes to waste hauling and it comes to waste diversion away from landfills, they deal with pounds. So we started using a tech platform to recover food. We use Chowmatch, but we advocate for any tech platform that provides the basics, which is tracking the actual pounds and then the food safety concerns. So it'll track what time is that food picked up and what was the temperature? What time was it dropped off at a nonprofit agency? What was the temperature? We've now mitigated those food safety concerns. Uh, Federal Good Samaritan laws will hold us harmless as donors from liability, sure. providing we know the food is you know safe. Sure. Uh, but now we have that data that will be able to protect the brand of the donor. So we can pinpoint, you know, this was in the safe range from beginning to end, the food was handled correctly. Uh, so that data was really critical. Then we go in a little deeper dive. Cities and the county and now certain operators are obligated by state law to keep track of the food they donate or the edible food donation. Uh, and cities have to uh, conduct outreach to food waste generators or restaurants, hotels, et cetera. Uh, we now use technology to track all those touch points. So our technology now allows the cities to be compliant with state law. Um, the County of Orange was really pretty uh, ahead of their time when, when this started. And, and now the onus is really being passed to cities and operators because that's who the law has pinpointed as being the ones most, uh, you know, most affected. That's great. Um, so I, I would also be uh, doing you a disservice without letting you talk about starting your restaurant and being a restaurateur. Uh, take, take me back to when you got originally involved in the restaurant business and, and tell us about your restaurant. Sure. I'm third generation okay. restaurateur. So it's, one it's thing in your blood. It, it is in my blood. It's something I've always told people is everything I've ever had in life has come from food. So I tend to value it a little differently than most people. Um, it is money to me. It is cash. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up, my dad was a chef, but he ran restaurant companies, did not want his boys to stay in the restaurant business. (laughs) So he wanted us to get our education and get out of it. And, uh, and I did my, both of us got out of it. I went into food service sales. Uh, my brother went in, uh, to the mortgage industry, but we had a desire because we grew up in it. There's an allure to the restaurant business and we realized it's the people. That's really what the allure is. It's hospitality. It's the ability to bring people together. It's community. That's what food does. And even when you look at those key social components, hunger, uh, housing, transportation, healthcare, there's food is the only thing that brings people together. Transportation really doesn't bring people together. No one says, let's go on a bus so we can hang out with other people, but they'll go to a restaurant because they're with other people. Uh, My restaurant is more of a, you know, it's a, family dining. So we have a counter, the old fashioned diner counter. Absolutely love it because it's American dining at its best. Um, and and just to illustrate, there was one time point in time when the economy took a dump in 2009 and the stock market took to this precipitous crash and on our surveillance, yeah, vividly, (laughs) but we look at the surveillance video at the counter and we're just amazed. We have the owner of the bank down the street sitting next to an unemployed electrician who's sitting next to, you know, an executive with the angels who's sitting next to a retired, uh, you know, truck driver. This just this wide range of people, this cross section of, you know, of individuals, all of them leaning across the counter, talking to each other about what's going on. And we're like, that's what brings people together. 
most of these folks would have nothing in common and they typically would sit there and just eat their food. But the counter and much like dining in general mm-hmm. brings people together. Absolutely. And I, I, uh, I always like to think that with how fast technology is moving in our society today, restaurants are still this almost a safe haven where we're on our computers, we're on our phones. Uh, I mean, we got cameras and microphones on us. When you come into a restaurant, it's the time to put the phone away and have a conversation mm-hmm. and talk to people. Um, and it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's why I love working with restaurateurs and working within this industry is um, because restaurants have become this, uh, and they always have been, but even more so now, it, it is the thing that you do, right? It's where you go to celebrate something. It's where you take your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. It's where you take your family to just connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a restaurateur, it's, it's obvious that you understand that and you see that. And, and that's probably what drove you back to the industry, even with your dad saying, run away. <laughs> you saw that as much work as it was, you get to have that impact on people's lives, right? You have an opportunity to be involved in them celebrating a promotion or an anniversary or just wanting to have a good meal. It's the ability to impact people's lives in a, in a very simple way, but also a a way of impacting people on a larger scale. So you are part of a broader community for us at our restaurant. The idea was for the last 27 years, we didn't do an awful lot of advertising. Our advertising was our food. So we would generate, you know, um, interest in, in our menu by letting people taste it for fundraising events. So we would support community projects and we would donate food. We would provide food for golf tournaments, uh, events for children's music groups, medical charities, whatever it might be. It's great advertising and you're benefiting the community and the community gets to know you and they take an interest. Um, several years ago we had an electrical panel explode in our restaurant down for four or five days. And there was one specific voicemail that I kept. It's a gentleman that calls up and he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do for dinner. I'm every Saturday night. I come to see you guys and I guess I'll find something else to do tonight, but uh, let me know. Cause I want to be back next Saturday night. <laughs> People will really, um, you know, center their life around eating out or going out and experiencing mm-hmm. that dining, ex- uh, you know, experience. I have kids now that came to us as children. Uh, they used to get a balloon and an Oreo cookie, and now they are adults, and they're bringing their kids in, and, they, and it's a special event for them. That's great. By the way, to, to take a step back and touch on one thing that you mentioned, a, a lot of people see, you know, they'll go to a restaurant on Friday night, and they'll see the owner walking around, shaking hands, having a great time. That's not what running a restaurant is. Running a restaurant is generally things like, issues that come up. Yeah. Yeah. Something blows up. Refrigerator goes out. I can't tell you how many times I, I go to meet with a restaurateur and, uh, they come out with greasy hands and they're sweaty because, you know, fill in the blank broke. Right. Yeah. You have to really <laughs> love it because, uh, it's, uh, it's a labor of love. Absolutely. So, so it's interesting. Parts. Yeah. When we do outreach to food operators, mm-hmm. especially restaurants, we do it a certain way because we're industry people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, 
there'll be consultants that will hire outreach sure. personnel sure. and they measure outreach by going out and dropping something off. We have the ability to walk into a restaurant and be able to immediately see from the look on the face of the staff, this is not a good time. Yep. Or maybe we notice the rooter truck in the parking lot. So they have a mainline backup, a cook didn't show up, um, you know, a delivery is late. The last thing they want to talk about is food waste diversion or food recovery. We will just drop a card and come back another time. Or sometimes we'll say, look, is there anything we can do to help you out? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's kind of what we do. But you're right. People don't realize how difficult it is. And more importantly, the industry is changing at a rapid clip right now. So true. Great example. We're sitting here at the end of 2019. Mm -hmm. And you have the CEO of Domino's Pizza recently saying, I'm only going to do a three-year um, you know, plan because I have no idea what's going to happen after three years. Yeah. And anybody who does is lying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think in the last, my 35 years in the industry, this is the time period with which it is the most uncertain, mm -hmm. a booming economy yet dining trends are changing yep. in California, whether it's Southern or Northern California, property values are going through the roof. So larger footprints are no longer profitable. Mm -hmm. And sadly, again, because booming economy, it is, everybody's opening a restaurant. So there's so much competition. Absolutely. I mean, they may only last a year, mm -hmm. but they siphon off. And of course. so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Our passion is through this food recovery is we're feeding hungry people in our neighborhood. We're uh, reducing the food waste that ends up having now to be diverted away from landfills. But more importantly, we're providing operators with a way of offsetting costs because there's a total cost benefit. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give you a couple of examples Please of that. Do. When we first started working the program at, at, at my restaurant, the idea was just to see how efficient were we, were the pickups made on time, you know, just how did this work, and was it difficult for the staff, was there a cost uh, to the operator? Well, I was blown away to find out there were total cost benefits. First of all, I was in bed when we closed my restaurant. Uh, I only look, quite honestly, we're looking at P&Ls, so we're looking to see what is our food cost. If, it, if it's within an acceptable range, we're happy. We never really did that deep dive into your, you know, you know what your ideal food cost is, but you don't know how, why you're that far off. What we saw when we started donating food every night or setting it up was we were tracking our excess food. And we found that it was always the same amount of mashed potatoes left over, same amount of, uh, you know, salad, et cetera. Yeah. It allowed us to make production changes or in some cases, purchasing changes to be more efficient. That saved us money. When we brought on a national restaurant chain um, and we got them started on it, they came back to us eight months later and they go, already $300,000 we have saved by participating with food donation. Wow. Like, how, how can that be? And they go, well, we found some of our locations were making the same amount of food every night. High volume location. Because of the volume, the food cost was in an acceptable range. So... We had to walk back through the yep. staff and explain, look, Monday night, you're going to produce less food than you will on Friday night. And it allowed them to save money. Of the 700 plus donors we have in Orange County, almost all of them will tell you they have reduced their food cost, reduced their food waste, and saved money from schools to restaurants to hotels to stadiums, et cetera. That's amazing. Mike, this was... Uh very informative. I hope that for our, our listeners and our watchers, whoever's consuming this content, that um, you can see the obvious benefits that you guys are providing. And congratulations on building such a great company and running a restaurant for as long as you have. And uh, um, 
you know, one thing that we'll do is uh, in our notes, we'll make sure to put your website up. By the way, it's wastenotoc.org, and we'll mm-hmm. tag your restaurant, your social media platforms. Um, what is the best way that anybody that's interested can get in touch with you. I appreciate it. Right now, the model is uh, being copied all over the country. Yeah. Uh, so it's now Waste Not OC, but it's the OC is our communities because we're working in counties and jurisdictions outside. Either way, wastenotoc.org is still the fastest way to reach us to see what we do. Also, there's a, a toll-free number. It's 855-700-9662. And that is the best way to reach us. And, uh, for an operator with a tech platform, it is really simple to donate food, uh, and it's seamless, it's easy, and, uh, and uh, profitable. Awesome. Um, I'm going to have you leave uh, our listeners with this. I'm going to spring this on you, but I'm going to let you ask a question, any question that you want uh, that you'd like to hear responses. It can be related to what you're talking about, the restaurant world, anything else. What would you like to know from people that are listening. Oh, that's a great question. The one question I always ask is what would it take for an operator to start donating food? You know, what are your fears? Why would you not want to donate? Uh, and how can we help you? So it's really simple because I know we will. and, And again, it's the nature of the beast for us in our, in our business, uh, restaurant owners and managers, we're firefighters, yep. Yep. you know, we were hyped up on coffee all day and we were whatever crisis is in front of us. So we know it takes a long time to get operators to participate. My question would be, what will it take for you to be able to donate excess edible food and feed people? Love it. Mike, thank awesome you. Awesome to have you on. Appreciate it thank very much. So much. Pleasure. Wah, 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 wah,